Today's first reading is a challenging one. Imagine being in Abraham's shoes. God called Abraham and commanded him to take your son Isaac, your only one, whom you love, and offer him up as a holocaust. Now, a holocaust is a sacrifice, usually of an animal, that's offered to God by first killing and then completely burning it on an altar. God was asking Abraham to kill his son. How could God ask such a thing? And second, how could Abraham do such a thing? The author of the letter to the Hebrews explained that as Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice, perhaps he reasoned that God was able to raise even from the dead. Now that is trust in God. And we know from the reading, God did not desire the death of Isaac, who was then saved when an angel appeared and told Abraham to stop. But the key point is this. Abraham trusted God, even when God's plan was beyond his own understanding. We might similarly wonder, sometimes, why the Catholic Church, speaking for God in the world, asks us to do things that seem difficult or contrary to what our culture says we should do. And when that happens, we ask God, why? Why? Or worse yet, we just ignore what the church says. And while it on the surface may not seem like comforting advice, I just want to assure you that these are areas that are chances for us like Abraham, to be humble in the face of God's divine plan. A plan that is bigger than all of us. A plan that is sometimes, and to varying degrees, beyond human comprehension. Not, mind you, an irrational plan, or one that is in conflict with truth and goodness. Quite the opposite. We should live our lives with faith, like Abraham, trusting that no matter what, we can do what God asks, and all will be well. The apostles, too, they didn't understand Jesus' words as, he, as they descended the mountain after witnessing that miracle of the transfiguration. Atop the mountain, we read that Jesus' clothes became bright and shining white. The great Moses and Elijah, long ago deceased, stood before them suddenly conversing with Jesus. So this was a little foretaste of heaven. Understandably, Peter, James, and John were in awe. Peter could only manage to say, it is good that we are here. He didn't know what else to say except that they should build tents, they should stay for a while in the glory of the transfigured Christ. We would probably want to stay there too. But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan included, well, things we wouldn't want to happen if we were standing there. It included his own crucifixion. It included the crucifixion of St. Peter as well. James was to be martyred. John was to be left behind to stay with and care for Mary. As in the story of Abraham and Isaac, we might wonder along with Peter how God could possibly will the death of his son, Jesus.
Surely, Lord, this can't be the plan. Tough times were ahead, and to prepare these men for the coming challenges, God consoled them with this vision and with the booming voice of the Father, saying, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Now after that, after hearing that booming voice and seeing the transfigured Christ, they should have been confident and enough that, or even though it was God's will that Jesus be crucified, they should have been confident, even though it seemed contrary to their common sense. Um, it was, though, through these very events, hard as they seemed, that God's plan for our salvation was going to be carried out. In the end, it was very good. This is why we call that Good Friday. So these men could trust the words of Jesus. They could have rock-solid faith like Abraham, that so long as they did the will of God in all things, they could not go wrong. Now Lent, the season that we're in right now, it's a season in which we try to get back to the roots of our faith and cast off the things that hold us back from doing the will of God. So that's why I exhort everyone here to love the Catholic Church, to love the Catholic faith, to be docile to the teachings of the bishops. Listen to them. And if you disagree with one teaching or another, don't give in to the temptation of an individual freedom that trumps the teachings of the church and the faith. Don't reject what the bishops and priests and the catechism of the Catholic Church are trying to teach us. Now, I do need to have a warning here these days. Listen carefully to what the church is actually saying and not what we read in the papers, uh, watch on the news or on social networks, because they often, even usually, get it wrong, either by accident or many times, I think, on purpose. So to get the truth, you've got to go to the source. Sometimes you have to read what the Pope said or the bishops say. Even then, it can be confusing. But you have to be discerning. Don't uh, just take at face value what you see as you scroll on Twitter and so on, or Facebook or whatever. Go to the source. So, you know, we often might think we know better on issue X or on issue Y than the church. But we would honestly be better off humbly submitting to the 2,000-year tradition of teachings of the church not shutting off our brains and following blindly. That's not what God wants. But seeking to understand while being obedient. Have faith that the teachings of the church, which are the teachings of Jesus, are rock solid, every one of them, even if we don't fully understand them yet. You know, we might look at a certain teaching and ask, why, God? Why, why is this the rule? And that's okay. As long as we don't instead say something like, well, that's just the church's opinion. Yeah. No. Doing the will of Jesus Christ, which is identical with obeying the authentic teaching of the church in faith and morals, may not make perfect sense to us at first, but in every way, whether it's the 
teaching on the morality of contraception or like IVF, which has been in the news lately, or on marriage or on the priesthood or on social issues, on government or politics or whatever, there is a cohesiveness, a consistency, and a beauty to the church's teachings that we might appreciate if only we would take the time to learn about it instead of rejecting it outright in the, in the name of like personal choice or, and so on. We may not see Jesus standing before us in dazzling white garments flanked by the great prophet Elijah and the great Moses himself. We may not hear that booming voice from heaven, but I assure you, we witness something even greater than that here, the Eucharist. As the priest at the altar speaks in the person of Christ, we witness a miracle. Bread becomes his body, wine becomes his blood. And through this miracle, like those apostles witnessing the transfiguration, we leave this place and go out to face the world that opposes our faith so much. We face it with confidence because we recognize the will of God in his church and have received the grace to carry out that will in a hostile world, even if we don't yet fully understand it. After all, notice, God's messenger commended Abraham for his obedience, not for his independence or his intelligence, and promised him a great inheritance, saying, All this because you obeyed my command. We don't like to hear that word obedience, perhaps because we've been let down by authority figures or because we like being free to do as we please and not as we're told, but this is different. God and his revelation, which comes to us through the church, it's trustworthy. It's, it's long-standing. You can read the church fathers who wrote in the first century and see the same thing is being taught today. God's teachings, they're perfect. We can trust them. We know God loves us like a father, our father in heaven. We know he speaks with authority that no one else can. He is God after all. And at least in the realm of faith and morals, the teaching of the Catholic Church is authoritative. It is, in fact, Jesus' teaching. He speaks to us today through the Church. So let us strive to know the Church's teachings on issues that really do affect our lives. And strive to be obedient to them. Really, we should love the church as, as a mother who cares for us deeply and who would never lead us astray. Amen.